0: The New Book Phenomena. Now, I don't think Corinna's the only one who does this, by the way. I think I've seen it a number of people at a number of times. And we all have that tendency, don't we, uh, to grasp hold of it. When we hear something new and exciting, we grasp it and we're going to take it and we run with it and we change because we've seen it. Uh, It's a book, maybe it's a movie, maybe it's a series on television, Uh, maybe it's something, it's grabbed hold of us. Something that's caught our ear and we want to listen to it and we change because of it and when we live in this world that we live in there are a whole lot of competing voices aren't there to grab our ears there's lots of stuff out there that want to grab our ears grab us and change us they want us to listen to them they want us to take on their world view and then be changed according to it. Now, you may not see that. It may be subtle. It may be just the types of television programs that are out there. It may be the way that the news is put together. Uh, you may go into a bookshop and you have a look at all the books that are out there that are wanting to try and grab you and tell you this is the way to live or this is the way to eat or this is the way to organise your finances or this is the way that you are to help your dog not bark at night. They're everywhere. Ideas of people wanting to grab your ears and show you how to live. To tell you how you live. Who has your ear? Uh, In politics it's a well known phrase, isn't it? He's got the ear of the politician. That means it's someone who's been able to get beside that politician and be able to move them or change them or get them things, get things through. Who has your ear? Who has influence over you? Who has the most influence over you? Who or what do you give your time and effort and listening skills to? Who has your ear? Well, let me have your ear for a moment this morning as I hopefully point you to what God wants to say to you this morning. So have a look at Psalm 46 because in Psalm 46 we see who should have our ear. So let's have a look at that this morning. Psalm 46, if you've got a Bible, open it up and have a look inside or you can read it on the screen as well. Let me read it for you. It says this, God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to listen to Psalm 46, Lord, in the world that is competing for our ears, we pray this morning that our ears will be listening to you. Open our ears, Lord, clear out the wax, and speak to us, Lord and speak into our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's have a look at what Psalm 46 has to say to us and what we can be listening to this morning. I don't know whether you noticed, but there's a bit of a recurring theme through Psalm 46. In verse 1, it says, God is our refuge, he is our strength. And then in uh, verse 7, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. In verse 11, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And what these verses are saying to us is that God is on our side. God is on the side of all those that are on his team. You see, we know from the New Testament, remember the Psalm 46 is from the Old Testament, it's before Jesus came in to the world, and so it's actually leading us to Jesus. When we find out in the New Testament, when we get to Jesus, that to be part of God's team is we need to give our lives to the captain of that team, and the captain of that team is Jesus. Uh, he's the captain who just doesn't uh, go out to battle for us, but he's the captain that goes in and takes on death for us, the ultimate enemy. He defeated. He defeats it. He, hangs on the cross he dies he rises again as we saw in the little video with the flies and he's victorious over death he is the ultimate captain and the people who believe and trust in him are on his team when we trust and believe in jesus we become part of god's team and god is with us always god is on our side and he guarantees our victory uh, I don't know about you, but there's some people that you want on your side, don't you? Uh, if you're playing tennis, you'd want Roger Federer on your side. think Leighton Hewitt's in trouble tomorrow night or the night after. You want him on your side, don't you? Uh, if you're playing cricket, you want Ricky Ponning because he's Tasmanian. Not nothing to do with his cricket ability, but because he's Tasmanian. No, because he's the greatest cricketer. You want him on your side. You want him batting for you. Or if you're in soccer for Australia, you want Harry Kewell on your side. Do you know that uh, sports bet changes their odds depending on whether these guys are in the teams or not? That's how important they are to victory. For us, in life and death and eternity, there's one person you want on your team, and that's Jesus. You want to be on his team. You want him to be your captain because he's the one that takes us through life and into eternity, and he guarantees victory right through to the end. And he's with us all the way. That's what that psalm is That's why it repeats it three times. God is with us, God is with us, God is with us, and he is our refuge and our strength. The psalmist wants you to hear that this morning. He wants you to hear that when you're on his team, there is nothing that can separate you from him. That's great to hear, isn't it? And he backs it up. He goes through and he says there in verse 1, he is our refuge, he is our strength, our ever-present help in trouble. He is our protector in verse 1. He is our safe place. He is where we can go and he'll always be there and he'll always protect us. He is our provider, it says in verse 4 and 5. There is a river whose servants make glad the city of God, the holy place where he dwells, God is within her. She will not fall. He provides a safe home is what he's saying. That's a picture of heaven in a sense for us, a place where we can come and be safe. He provides that for us. He is powerful in verses 8 and 9. The nations will be destroyed by him. He can destroy the the. Nothing can overthrow him. And verse 9 he says he's in control. The world may seem chaotic. The Haiti disaster may seem to be just out of the blue Things around us, devastation may just go, we, what is going on? But from God's perspective, he's got it in control. I don't know where you saw that Omo at a few years ago where there are about 15 kids running around on the beach and they are putting all these things out and you think, what on earth is going on here? And they are putting all these things on the ground and then eventually the camera just panned back to the top of the hill and looked back and it said something like, Omo is the best from on the ground looking at it there you think what on earth's going on but when you take the bigger perspective you stand back you see what's going on and God has the big perspective he knows what's going on that's the type of bloke that you want on your team that's the type of team you want to be part of isn't it the God who is a protector the God who is all powerful the God who is the provider the God who directs all things why would we want to go anywhere else he has the qualifications, he has the runs on the board and if you go to Romans 8, he says, Paul says there is nothing and no one that can get at us when we're on his side. If God is for us, who is against us? Well, it doesn't matter who's against us when God's on our side. So should God have your ear He's the one, he's the blokey one on the team. So, what does that mean for us? Well, if you look at verse 2, it says, Therefore we will not fear. That's a great statement, isn't it? Therefore we will not fear. If we know who God is and what He is like, our rescuer, our provider, the one that is the one who controls all things, the one that makes eternity possible for us through Jesus, then we do not need to fear. You pick up a paper, and there's just devastation everywhere, isn't there? You think, "What on earth? I don't know whether I can live in this world. Do I want to raise kids in this world?" Well, when we're on God's side. We don't need to fear that. We live in uncertain times, but we want to remember God is with us, and God is for us. Therefore, we don't need to fear. There's a t-shirt out there, uh, or a t-shirt company, I think it's called No Fear. I reckon we should take that over as Christians. That's a great t-shirt for Christians. No fear. We don't need to fear because of who God is. Because as Christians, God is for us. He gave us Jesus. God is with us. We find out in the New Testament, He's given us the Holy Spirit. And God has prepared a place for us in eternity and perfection in heaven. All that happens to us here and now does not change that one little bit. And God holds out that wonderful assurance to the world around us. The only hope the world has is to take hold of that and make it their own. We don't need to fear the world because we are safe in a God who is with us, a God has given us his spirit a God who has saved us a God who is with us for eternity we are safe in our God that means you know guys that when we watch the world and we look at the chaos on the news we're to be concerned we're to be upset we're to get into action and do things but we don't have to fear it God is the answer Jesus is their salvation. When we get bad news about our health, we can be upset, we can be uneasy, but we don't need to fear because God is our refuge. Heaven is our home. This isn't our home. Heaven is. When we lose our job, then we can be upset and a bit unsure about the future, but we don't need to fear because God directs our ways. God will lead us forward. In our crazy, mixed-up world, we don't need to fear for God is with us. So should God have your ear? My word, he should, shouldn't he? Look what he says there in verse 10. This is one of the great verses in the Bible. He says, Be still, and know I am God. Be still and know I am God. We live in a world that's absolutely obsessed with busyness, aren't we? Ask anyone, how's your week been? Oh man, it's been busy. has oh, thing, can't, it can't get any busier than this. Oh, so, how you, how's your holiday been? Oh, it was busy. We were running from here to there and whatnot, it was going on. Oh, right, okay. Everything's busy, isn't it? Life is just busy. Everyone's busy. Everyone's just out there multitasking everything. They're on their phones. They're on their iPods. They're on their computers. They're doing everything. Everything's just, just crazily busy around us. There are so many options out there for us to access things that we've just got too much. It's just crazy. But I think we actually have the reverse of that, which actually becomes overload syndrome, don't we? where at some point in time it just goes crash you think I just can't handle this. We just have too much, too many gadgets, too many extracurricular activities, too many meetings, too much accessibility. There is almost nowhere that you can go that a mobile phone won't get you and that's sad. Now, I know that my kids are growing up with the fact that their mobile phone, if it's not attached to their hip, then life is just not worth living. Can I tell you it is worth living? It's actually worth getting rid of your mobile phone, chucking it away for a while, and spending time without it. Because that's what this is saying, isn't it? It says, be still. Not text, iPod, and then think about God. It says, be still and know I am God." Too many choices, too many noises, too many voices. Because how can you hear God when you've got all that going on around you? How can you? Because everything else is telling you stuff. You think whatever music you're listening to, it is telling you that they want you to change it to become their worldview. The television, it has an agenda. It has an agenda. Don't get, we do not live in a world that is not, it is not trying to indoctrinate you. The world around us is trying to indoctrinate us. Every television show is trying to indoctrinate you to say that sex before marriage is okay, number of partners is okay, and homosexuality is fine. You watch any show that's out there, any show that's coming towards our kids, even in like supposedly teenage years, that's all there. They are indoctrinating you. Don't ever let anyone tell you that, oh, Christianity is just trying to indoctrinate. Everyone's trying to indoctrinate you, I'm sorry. It's about listening to the one that's true. Be still and know that I am God. It's not, it's not easy, is it? We've got to be ruthless. We've got to be ruthless and relentless to cut away stuff that stops us hearing God. So I tell you, I find it hard. I'm paid to spend time listening to God by reading his word and praying. And I find it hard. Now imagine, I think for you guys who are out there Full-time jobs, full-time studying, multiple things happening in your lives. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy, guys. I'm not saying that suddenly there's a magic way to do it. But what I want to encourage you to say is as you look at the Bible, as you look at Psalm 46, as you let this God, this phenomenal God, permeate who you are, that you'll be motivated by that to say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to spend time thinking about how can I prune things out? How can I cut away stuff so that I can have time to be still and know that I am God. Do we have to have our kids in all that extracurricular activity? Do they need to go to the extra carnival? Do we need to have our children learning two instruments? Do we need to be working more than 50 hours a week? Do we need to earn that extra 10000 so so they can afford that extra holiday? Do I need to be able to... Spend playing five nights a week playing sport. Do I need to? You have whatever it is that's in your life that is crowding it out. Be still and know that I'm God. You see, this be still has a direction. This isn't be still, kick back on your sofa and sleep for the afternoon. It's be still and know that I am God. It has a direction to it. It's be still and get to know God. That's what the be still is about. It's in a direction. It's heading towards something. It's becoming and knowing God. You see what he says after that? He says in verse 10, he says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. It is to bring praise and glory to God. It is to get a perspective of him. It is to grasp a little bit of him and praise him for who he is. Why? Because he is all-powerful. He is our provider. He is our protector. He is our director. He is our saviour. He is our safe place. He is our home. He is the one that has given us Jesus. He gives us eternity. And he deserves our ear. He deserves your ear. He deserves to be the main influence in your life. His voice is the voice that we need to hear through all that scrambled stuff that's going on all around us. God deserves our ear. God desires our ear. Does he have it? Does he have it? Well, let me encourage you here. Three little things I want to encourage you so say that you can get to listen to God. Okay, Three things I want you to think about. And the first one is permeate. You can think about it as three words. Sorry, saturate. I jumped one on myself. Saturate. Let God saturate your life to flow over you, to refresh you at every opportunity. By that I mean take time out, find a place where you're not distracted, maybe outside, not your office, not in the lounge room with the kids running around. Find a space where you can be quiet and spend time with God. Make a time, not just on the toilet, not just on driving to work in the morning. Find some space. 15 minutes a week, 15 minutes five days a week. Try and find some space where you can get by yourself. Ask your husband to look after the kids for a little while so you can spend some time quietly by yourself with God. And then read God's word. You see, God's voice is found in God's word. That is the only place you can be 100% sure that God speaks to you. Okay? God can use other ways and means to talk to you, don't get me wrong, but this is the only place that you'll know for 100% sure that he's speaking to you. So read it. Spend some time. Take 15 minutes out of your day. Get quiet. Spend some time. Read it. You might want to take a devotional book with you. You might want to take a journal with you. You might want to jot down what you've read. But make sure that as you're spending time being still to get to know God better, that it's word-based. That it's word-based. So saturate yourselves with it and then let it permeate. Let God's voice enter into your soul through his word and wash over you. Spend time just meditating upon what you've just read. Pray and think through the passage and listen for God to direct your thoughts as you're doing that. As you're thinking through the passage, you're thinking about what you read, allow God to speak to you through it. A mate of mine goes walking. He just goes off and he walks for 15 minutes. He doesn't take anyone with him. It's not so that he can have a chance to catch up with his wife or his whatever. He goes walking and he just spends time and that's where he he reads before he goes and he walks and he prays about what he's just read the whole time and then just listens as he goes to what God has to say to him through his word. And enjoy his creation. Let it soak you. Let it fill you. Let it permeate into your soul. And let it motivate you to action. You see, God's word is never there given to us just to sit back and go, hey, that's great. It's there to change us, to transform us, That's why in our mission statement is we want to see people become transformed, become vibrant followers of Jesus. We don't want people just to stay still. God wants people to be changed. Les said a great thing last week. I don't know whether you picked it up. But he said that God loves you as you are, but God loves you so much that he doesn't want you to stay as you are. It's a good thing to think about, isn't it? He wants us to move. We're not as good as God wants us to be. We're not as much like Jesus as God wants us to be. He wants to transform us. And as you let this saturate you, let the God's word permeate you, then let it change you. Let it change you. Good things to think about, aren't they? About taking time out to be still, to get to know God better. Be still and know God. We can only do that if the one that has our ear is God himself, the almighty provider, all-powerful protector, director and our mighty saviour. Can I encourage us this morning, people? Let us relentlessly pursue God. Let us saturate ourselves in his word. Let us allow his word to permeate and penetrate our souls and let's be motivated to change. Let's be still and know God to be God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father as we do take a moment to and Let what we've just read and what we've just heard permeate into our lives and into our souls and into our hearts, Lord. We ask that by your spirit, Lord, you will change us, and that we won't be the same when we leave here, but Lord, we will be motivated to relentlessly pursue you more, and that we'll be dedicated to make time to sit, to read your word and to listen to you through it, Lord. Lord, may we cut things out of our lives so that we can be still, so that we can get to know you better. Lord, we pray that you will change us because of that and Lord, we will grow to love you more and more each day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.